writer of a new play exploring grief, faith and sexuality is shocked she's become the target of hateful messages from friends and strangers even before its premiere. Tatiana Hotari was involved with evangelical Christian churches, but since word got out about the themes in her play Skin Hunger, she's been inundated with messages, including Jesus saves memes, even accusations that she's a terrible role model to her daughters. Tatiana says it's very hurtful and also surprising because for her, the play is by no means anti-Christian. It's a deeply personal account of her grief following the death of her husband, Jason. In Skin Hunger, the character of Eva is grief-stricken after her husband's death and she tries to forge a new path, including Tinder dates and Catholic guilt. Obviously, we're going to talk about the reaction, but first of all, tell me about Skin Hunger. What is the story, very personal story, obviously, Tatiana, that you're telling here? Yes, well, Skin Hunger is a semi-autobiographical piece and it kind of evolved from my own cathartic journey into writing and trying to process my own grief after my husband died. And that was just over five years ago. Um, At a time, I did not know how to grieve. I had lots of people telling me what to do, and that didn't quite sit right with me. So I turned into um, writing um, as a way to really try to figure out and try to, I don't know, make sense of things that are unfixable. And I pour my heart and soul into writing and yoga and walks in nature and connecting with friends as part of, you know, keeping my well-being a little bit stronger at the time because his death was devastating to me. And out of putting all of those pieces of writing together in the Facebook posts and my journals, little by little a play emerged and here we are with Skin Hunger. Tell me about Jason. Jason. Um, Jason was, he was wonderful. Um, it's really good that now I can talk about him without crying all the time, which before I couldn't. Um, probably even if you ask me that question a year ago, I would burst into tears. But Jason was Maori. He was a beautiful man inside and out. Um, We met in Brazil, where I am originally from, and then eventually we moved to the States together. We had our first daughter there, and then we moved here. And he was this person that when he entered a room, not just because of how tall and, you know, like big he was, but also because of the largeness of his soul, like he would just attract people to him. He was very generous. He had this really cool, cheeky sense of humor. Um, He was just like this giving person and he was a servant. So much of what he did was in service of others. And I think part of it was because he came from a really broken background and had a really difficult childhood growing up. And he became kind of like the opposite of that, like in a in an intentional way. And he was the love of my life. He still is. Writing, remembering those moments and then sharing them with people. Has it been cathartic for you? Has it been part of your grieving process, part of your healing process? Yes, I think not as much the sharing, I think the writing. I found that... Um, I found myself posting lots of things on Facebook. 
I would write something and post and just leave it. And I wouldn't read what the comments from people were. And I didn't quite understand why I was doing that. It took me a little while to get to that sense of, I feel like grief needs to be witnessed. And so when I would share about what I was going through and post it on Facebook, for example, um, I wasn't as much looking for people to agree with me or to comment. I just wanted somebody to see what I was going through, not to fix it, not to give me you know, empty platitudes or unsolicited advice. I just wanted people to say, I see your pain. And I think that that's one of the things that I want to do with this play, with Skin Hunger, is to put together, in a very vulnerable way, some of the things that happen to me and for me and, you know, in my journey, and say to people, look, this is what I've been through so I see your pain. Um, I think there's a really big point of connection when people can understand that nothing that they can do or say can take the grief away. But if they sit with someone who is grieving and are just present, there is a lot of comfort that can come from that. And the way that you wanted to or you decided to share your grief, you know, to talk about it. Was that challenging for some of your friends, some of your whanau? Mm. I mean, you know, we all <laughs> grieve in our own ways, don't we? And, and I think for yeah. many New Zealanders, uh, maybe more Pākehā, you know, it's all, you might announce it, and then it's all kind of internalised, you know what I mean? And mm. people are too embarrassed to talk about yeah. They don't know, well, not embarrassed, they don't know what to say. Yeah. You know, how do you find the words? So having someone like you, Tatiana, who is talking very openly about it, um, was that challenging for some? Yes, yes. It's still challenging for some people. Um, it's, I think, part of it, too, and I'm aware of that, that I am Brazilian. And even though I've lived in New Zealand for almost 20 years, um, my upbringing was very different. And I've tried to adapt to this culture as much as possible without losing who I am. And so when I share openly about things, oh, and not only that I'm Brazilian, but I'm also an artist. Um, I think artists have um, an innate desire to um, have connection and explain things and expose things. And this kind of, um, yeah, exposing of your inner world, it's a... Not everybody here in this particular culture is comfortable with it. Actually, I would say, I would go so far as to say that some people get offended by it. And it's not that I'm trying to offend anybody. Um, I'm trying to live a life that is authentic and vulnerable and courageous in some ways. I don't feel courageous all the time, but I I believe that when we are open about our experiences, when we can share about them, you know, like with truthfulness, we end up making space for other people to share. And in that sharing, we can connect and find a place of belonging, which I think every human being is really desiring that. 
it doesn't matter if you're Brazilian, if you're an artist, if you work in IT, if you are from New Zealand or India or, or China or whatever. As humans, we desire connection. As humans, we want to be seen. And again, going back to that thing of your grief needs to be observed and witnessed. When I share about my grief, I am really desiring to connect with people. But some people find that, um, yeah, just really difficult to deal with. And some of the um, comments, some of the... um, some of the advice that I've been given are, yeah, just um, unhelpful, to say the least. Well, it's not just the aspect of your grief, Tatiana, that is, you know, seeing people send you messages that are, frankly, really distressing, make me angry, even from the outside reading them makes me angry. Because the other thing you're sharing in Skin Hunger, or one of the other things you're sharing in Skin Hunger, is uh, your faith. Um, your faith and how that's changed with, within the church. Mm. Um, so um, what, what, what are you reflecting on, on there? Because you and Jason were um, deeply involved in the church, yeah. were you not? Yes, yes, we were for many, many years. And, and that was something that we had in common, you know, our faith and, and our um, spiritual beliefs and the community of faith that we were a part of. And... For many years, our lives was just really, it really revolved around all of that. Um, And then when Jason died, um, it was almost like, I don't, just to kind of paint a picture, and I know for some people this might seem really extreme, but it felt to me like a tsunami had hit my life. And then it left all the devastation, and there was nothing that could be salvaged. And that was at the time, right, in my early stages of grief. So when people would come to me and say, you know, God had a plan, or Jesus might needed a strong man in heaven, or he's in a better place, um, you should rejoice because now he's in heaven. All those things I found very distressing. There was no comfort in them. And I know that people would say those things They meant well, but I felt like they were just a slap on my face. And it made me angry. It made me angry at God. It made me angry at people that were saying that. It made me angry at the religion institutions that we were part of that were actually teaching and upholding that kind of ideology because that was so divorced from the humanity of grief and the devastation of grief. And it was through that process of trying to sift through. I remember one day hanging the laundry, and that was something that Jason always did. Um, oh, sorry, I'm just getting a little bit emotional oh, now. But, you, you know... He always hung the laundry because he didn't like the way I hung the laundry. And um, so right after he died, I was hanging the laundry. And I remember, like, it, starts, it started to drizzle. And I kept on hanging the laundry. It was almost like I was on autopilot. And I looked at the sky and everything was so gray. And I remember thinking, God, where are you? Can the real Jesus please stand up? Because I don't know who you are. And if you truly are like what I used to believe, 
before I felt this pain. And if you truly are what everybody's saying to me that you are and how you think and what you want from me, then I don't want you anymore. And that, to me, was a huge thing to do, you know, because from a Christian perspective, saying that to God is the same thing as just basically renouncing your faith. But my faith had changed so much because of the pain that I couldn't be fake with God. You know, there's no point in being fake with God. And it was that moment was a pivotal moment for me in terms of my spirituality. I started really pursuing what is it that I truly believe? How do I find this loving, benevolent energy that comes from God that can sustain me through this path of grief without buying into all the jargons that have being so prevalent in the church community. And I'm, I'm still sifting through those things, and some of those things are in the play, and I know that that is really challenging for people because I think a lot of people feel like they need to defend God, and I have learned that God doesn't need that. He can just show up and, and be present with you in your distress without having to fix you. I think what has clearly shocked you and has surprised me is when you've been talking, you know, ahead of the play's premiere about just what we're talking about now, the themes that you're looking at, the experiences, this issue of your faith or loss of faith has really triggered strangers and people that you knew, people that you've considered friends. And I thought some of the messages that you've been getting, I'm sure I haven't seen the worst of them, Hmm. really shocking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, I am a person that I always want to believe the best out of people. And I think that a lot of times when people attack someone, they are doing that either from a place of ignorance or they are doing that from a place of fear. Um, and I think religion has this incredible power to bring people together, but also to divide. And yes, some of those messages that I've been getting um, have been, um, yeah, they have been really hurtful, really distressing. I have to have conversations with my daughters about some of those messages because they have seen them. And some people have messaged my kids and saying things like, um, you know, um, I hope you're okay. You know, um, God God is not angry at you because of what your mom is choosing to do. Or, you know, um, saying to me, what would your husband think of this? And, you know, you need to think about your daughters, what kind of role model you're being to them. And that those are just like the, the, the less harmful ones. Um, but I, I think that when people take the time to message someone, be it a friend or somebody that they do not know, because I have had messages from, you know, both friends and people that do not know me. And those messages are quite negative and they come charged with a lot of anger or or a lot of judgment. It's probably because the things that I'm saying or standing for or sharing publicly is triggering something in them. 
I believe that often art can do that. Art holds a mirror to us. And whatever it is that in us that it's being offended or disturbed, often it's not because the artist is at fault. Often it's because there's something in us that we haven't really come to terms with. And so we need to find someone to blame. But I mean, this is before your play has even premiered, Tatiana. And this yeah. is one of the things that, that I find extraordinary. So they are judging you simply on pre-publicity and comments that you've made and perhaps knowing your family's situation. They are, seem to be assuming that skin hunger is some kind of vehement anti-Christian play. I, I, don't, get, I don't get the sense of that from talking to you. This is your personal story mm. and the fact that you're not, being allowed or they would prefer that you didn't you you weren't allowed to tell your story is it just feels like we're back in the dark ages to me yeah it's um it's definitely been um I was not expecting this I knew I Lynn I knew from the moment that I created that poster and um that it was risque um I knew you know I I chose every element that goes into that poster, you know. The name of my protagonist is Eve, and so not Eva, and so that is Eve in in English. And so you know, the apple is there. There is the wine. There is the pink vibrator. There is the rosary beads and the mascara running. I knew that all of that had um, some kind of sense. I wanted to give a sense of um, playfulness and. Uh, curiosity. I wanted to kind of go, oh, this, there's religious themes here, but it's also fun. And and then when I wrote my byline, um, I knew that some people would probably not like it, you know, especially coming from a Christian background. What I did not know, um, I thought I was prepared for some kind of reaction. But it's almost like being prepared to give birth to a baby. You think you're prepared. You you read all the books and you you know you do the nursery and all of that, and and then you have the baby, and then it's like, oh my God, I was not ready for this. And this whole thing, yeah, even before the play is out, has kind of shocked me, and um, and it's been something that is really difficult for me to to work through. But I have an amazing team of people that are working with me. Albert Bells and Edward Penny as my producers. Albert's also co-acting um, with me in the play, you know, and, and Denise Node, who is an amazing actress, and she's a personal friend. Romy Hooper is my director. She's also an amazing practitioner and a friend. So I'm surrounded by people that are amazing and can hold me in, in the middle of all of this. I think that what is really difficult, and when you mention about the dark ages, it's not that we are really in the dark ages, is that when it comes to female sexuality and grief and religion, there is a huge resistance for people to even start to listen I would love for people that feel strongly against what this, they think this play is about to come to the play, to actually watch it, to hear my story, to see how much heartwarming authenticity it's in that story. Because 
I'm not out putting something out there to shock the world. I'm putting something out there for people like me who have lost someone that they love and are struggling with their faith, with their um, lack of touch that you lost when that person is not there anymore, struggling with your own inner judgments. I wrote that play for a woman like me that is struggling with those things to come to it and go, I'm not alone. I'm not going crazy. I'm not the only one that feels this way. And Because going back to that power of connection, when we hear somebody's story and we can resonate with it and we can relate to it, then we can feel a little bit stronger to put another foot in front of the other every day when life is throwing all this crap on on you and you just don't know how you can keep going without your person there. But not even for people that have just lost someone. I think it's important for people that are trying to support someone who is grieving to have a little insight on what is going on really for them because grief is not one size fits all. It is a universal human experience, but every single one of us sees it and experiences it in a different way. So the backlash really feels like comes from a place of ignorance, more than anything. And it's a sad thing because I think the moment a lot of women feel like that, I think when they open their mouth to speak their truth, to share their stories, they have to either do it in a palatable way or they shouldn't do it at all. And that is the bit that gets to me, that um, that all of the messages, the confrontation, what the underlying message that I'm getting is that I'm not allowed to speak my story. And the truth is, I am allowed. We are all allowed to share our stories, period. You could have crumbled. I mean, I imagine particularly when your daughters started to get wrapped up in this. And I think one of your girls got so angry that she responded to one of the the, uh, messages calling you her hero, which must have been, you know, heartwarming for you. Mm. But it's tough when your kids who, you know, who are grieving the loss of their dad are also in in a way being being used as um, weapons against you, you know, for these messages. You you could have backed off. You could have modified your script. You could have uh, crumbled and capitulated. I don't get a sense from you, Tatiana, that you're going to touch a word of your script, that you believe in what you're saying. You're going to have a forum after the premiere where people are invited to come and talk. Mm. Um, but I suspect for some people, however much they might have loved their work, this would be too much for them when they're dealing with, with grief and so much um, yeah. so, so much of their own story, you know, so personal. Yeah, yeah. and so, well, I, I had the privilege of working in um, mental health for three years after Jason died. One of my most amazing and closest friends, like she's like a sister to me, um, was at the time the CEO of Changing Minds. And um, she is now working in a different mental health um, organization. But uh, at the time, she gave me a job and um, I was able to do a lot of very um, creative things in that space. But also, I started to understand and, and get educated on a lot of what I did not know about mental health. And through that experience, what was really incredible for me was the sense of when 
when people tell their stories and artists often go to dark places that most people kind of try to shy away from, we as artists have a responsibility to make sure that our audiences are safe and that what we are presenting um, even though we want the truth and we want the rawness um, of the human experience into it, it's really, really important, I think, for artists to take responsibility for what they are putting out in the world. So having that background, when I wrote um, Skin Hunger and it starts to develop, I was very aware of my audience. There's not one scene that I had not thought, how would this be received by somebody that has lost a husband or a child or a parent? And so there has lo a lot of love has gone into that script. So yes, you're right. I'm not changing one word of it anymore. Um, but I think it's um, what I wanted to do and what we have done just um, in preparation for the play was that we created a um, play reading plus a corridor event with mental health practitioners. And that um, took place at the ATC rehearsal um, room a couple of weeks ago. So I had my friend Tammy Allen, who was the facilitator. I had my best friend, Christiane Hill, who is a amazing counselor. She was there. Uh, my own psychotherapist that saw me for um, a couple of years after Jason died, um, Pauline Skeets, she was there. And a wonderful friend of mine who is um, a pastor and a curator for Rhythms of Grace, Mark Pearson, he was also there. And we we did um, four scenes of the play. We kind of curated those and we did a reading. And then we opened the floor for questions from the audience. And there was about 50 people there. And the questions were really tough. And I think that what that showed us, my team and I, was that what we're doing, we are on the right track. That yes, we are getting a lot of backlash from people. And there are some really difficult things that uh, me and my children especially have to deal with. But on the other hand, we are opening up a conversation and people are hungry for it. People want to have um, stories that they can relate to that reflect their experience. And it was amazing to be in that room, to hear the questions, to hear people feeling safe enough in an environment that was curated and facilitated and people kind of sharing about the losses of their babies, of their fathers, of their um, loved ones, and saying, I can't wait to see this play. I, I am donating to your boosted campaign. I am bringing friends to um, the season. So the love and the connection that we created in that room was so strong that to me, any backlash I will take it. I will take it a hundred times if I can have one person that will come to display and say, "Thank you for writing this," because I I feel less alone by watching this, and I feel encouraged and inspired. And that's really my desire to that my creativity can be of service to people that to people that need their pain to be witnessed. And, you know, I, I feel like that my husband's, um, yeah, my husband's spirit is with me. I, I have no doubt of that. And, um, and I also feel like going through the really difficult parts of grief have 
giving me a resilience that maybe if I was doing this a few years ago, I wouldn't be able to be standing here kind of going, you know what, I'm going to count my blessings. But because I have gone through a lot of difficult things through the grieving process, I feel strong enough. And, and I know that this is the time for this message. This is the time for me to bring it up. And I'm, you know, there's somebody from um, Tauranga that messaged me on Facebook saying, and she's part of the widows group where I am, is a Facebook group. And she said, I am coming from Tauranga with some friends just to see your play. And that to me was amazing. And so it's, I think it's going to be worth it. Skin Hunger by Tatiana Hotere premieres on the 13th of September at the Basement Theatre as part of the Auckland Fringe Festival. There's a boosted fundraising campaign running for a few more days.